All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury, here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor, after a tough loss to the Indiana Pacers. How are you feeling today, Lucas? You know, it's good. Good to be back recording. Uh, it's been a while, but, uh, you know, tough loss tonight against the Pacers. But, you know, overall, I think things are on the up and up for the Celtics still, despite the uh, tough, tough loss. Yeah, it was it was still a tough loss. Just you know, Celtics were on a seven game road winning streak. See that snapped is kind of a little on the on the downside. But I don't want people to get too low on exactly the loss tonight. Celtics ended up ending the February stint here uh, nine and two. That's eighty one point eight percent, which is actually tied for their best February winning percentage in Celtics history. So Celtics still had themselves a pretty good. Uh, February, man, a lot, a lot of positive things happen in this month. Yeah, I think it's this continuing trend of what we've seen from the Celtics, you know, since the new year, pretty much, maybe halfway through January. Um, but, you know, it's just promising to see the, the signs of a much improved basketball team from what we started the year, uh, started the year with. And uh, honestly, I think the All-Star break, you know, despite the loss tonight, I think the All-Star break will do some good for the team because – they came out looking pretty good, the, uh, at least against the Pistons they did. You know, the Pistons put up a good fight, Pat. I know, you know, people will scoff at a win against the Pistons, but Pistons have played us tough twice in a row now, and I think they're growing as a unit. So I don't want to scoff at that win. Yeah, don't scoff at that win. But also, like, Detroit's is playing. A lot of teams are starting to play physical with the Celtics team because they're like, all right, Celtics are a really aggressive defensive team, so Teams are noticing that, so they're trying to match the physicality. So I think games are getting a little bit more chippy, a little bit more physical between the Celtics and opponents now. We're not really getting away with just bullying people. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, tonight against the Pacers was about as chippy as it gets. Uh, You know, a lot of talking, a lot of physicality tonight. Um, You know, the refs had a hand in that, I think. You know, they didn't call the best game for either team, I don't think. Um, But I think you're right, Pat. I mean, I do think the teams are starting to, you know, match the Celtics' physicality, and I think that's going to be a little bit of preview of what it's going to look like in the playoffs because we all know refs like to swallow their whistle a little bit more when it comes to uh, playoff time than the regular season. Speaking of, Pat, are you ready to watch 40 free throws uh, between Harden and Embiid when we play them? Oh, man, I think uh, I think we're going to have a headache watching that game. I think yeah, sure uh, I'm just – we thought there was a lot of whistles tonight, man. Uh, I think there's going to be even more whistles happening when it comes to the Sixers and, and Celtics matching up. But, man, just the James, Hart, James Harden and Embiid pairing, did that click so Oh, sure it did. I mean, when you get us two talented individual scores like that, like Embiid is leading the league in scoring and Harden has averaged 36 points per game in a year. Uh, you know, I feel like especially if two players get to the line, I think the scoring potential for that team is, you know, it's a pretty high ceiling, so – That'll definitely be an interesting matchup to look forward to, uh, as well as, you know, the new-look Nets. But, I mean, you want to get into the game tonight, Pat? Want to start with tonight? Yeah, we can start with tonight's game before we, you know, talk about that Detroit game that happened. Um, Pacers ended up winning uh, 128-107 to against the Celtics. Second night of a back-to-back after the All-Star break. 
So it's almost like these games to me, I thought, I thought the Detroit game was also a trap. I thought these two games were trap games. I had, I would not have been shocked if we lost both of them. You know, it's the same as like, if you're a working person and you come back from a, a vacation, you're a little sluggish for your first few days back at work. So the fact that they had to go and do a back to back right out of the all-star break like this is, it's a little bit on the tougher side. Yeah. And on top of that, Pat, just to add on to that point, you know, they started at noon yesterday and 5 p.m. today. Those are two weird start times. So, you know, like you said, come a little, out a little sluggish after the All-Star break. And, uh, you know, the start times in the back-to-back are going to get the team a little bit messed up. But like I said earlier, you know, I think some good things came from the All-Star break. Like, Pat, I don't know about you, but the team appears very resilient. You know, they can really fight adversity. I know they ended up losing tonight uh, to the Pacers, but I also think the Pacers just hit a lot of ridiculous shots. I mean, they just really proved how good they could be as a shot-making team, but felt like they were a little, you know, outside their normal reach, huh? Yeah, I thought the man Brissett had a career high in six and three pointers against him. I think he hit six or seven of those three pointers. He was six of nine, six of nine. So that was just that was his like best shooting from from deep he's ever had in his career. Uh, I mean, Pacers were just lighting the Celtics up from deep. Honestly. They shot 51% from, from deep, and not a lot of teams do that, like, ever, uh, especially when you shoot 33 threes, and they were able to hit 17 of them. Team was shooting unconscious from deep. It, we were hoping that – at least I was hoping after watching the first, I was like, all right, they shot 60%. There's no way that's sustainable with the second half, right? Like, they got us – they kind of kind of slow down, and then they came out of the first, second half and just hit another 3% in the corner to open out the half. I was like, oh, well – Maybe tonight's just like their night for shooting. Celtics did a lot. They they crawled back within seven in that third quarter. They they really fought really hard to get back. But ultimately, when you're making really tough shots, it's just some nights you just tip your hat. It's nothing personal. Or at the end of the day, I think the Pacers just came out where we're hitting shots. Yeah, and I feel like in the opposite vein, the Celtics just came out and kind of missed good shots. Uh, you know, there was that one sequence where Rob got two offensive rebounds, three total shots. He somehow missed that third one. It rolled out. It just felt like, you know, good looks weren't going down for the Celtics and every shot was going down for the Pacers. So not really much to hang your hat on. I feel like negatively from this game. I mean, obviously I think the Celtics could have played better, could have shot better. You know, Tatum maybe could have taken a couple better shots, Um, but really nothing, nothing to get too worked up about. But I do think, I mean, honestly, I'll take a positive from this game. You know, people call me a green team or whatever, but, I mean, the the Celtics were sticking around. They were just getting hit with jab after jab after jab every time they got it close against the Pacers tonight. And, you know, they stuck around, I feel like, as long as they could. And sometimes, you know, like you said, Pat, it's just not your night. So I still think things are on the up and up. And I actually will take some, some good from tonight's loss. No, if you can. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the Celtics did play pretty good basketball tonight, and they really – try their best to keep around and stay fighting. I am ultimately shot 42, damn near 43% from the field. And uh, the 27.9% from deep was ultimately the, the Achilles heel for the Celtics tonight. As we all know, they're not the greatest three-point shooting team this year. But ultimately, was was one of the things that was the big gap difference. They took way more threes than the Pacers. Uh, they took 43, and they only hit 12 compared to the Pacers' 17 that they hit. Uh, I did think, though, that one of the guys that really gave the Celtics a pop and an aggressive pushback in some of those runs was Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard came in, 
played 17 minutes tonight, had 14 points, six rebounds, two assists, four of eight from deep. And he had a couple like, wow, shots too himself. So ultimately it was, was really solid tonight. We also saw Al Horford not play tonight because he did play a lot of minutes in that Detroit game. And then they came into the Pacers game and I thought they could have used him to be honest. Uh, Al is really good at, at helping you know, protect that paint and be in good positions and taking out some of these passing lanes that I thought Indiana had. I think he was kind of missed tonight. You know, we talk about when Robert Williams isn't in the lineup, like who was pretty good tonight as well, but it's just, it's tough. It's tough for a, a guy, you know, having one of your starters out of the lineup and because we overplayed him in that Detroit game, which is insane. Yeah, I think I have to agree. I mean, definitely hurt not having Horford. And, you know, Horford, you know, not only Pat is he a starter, I think he's played much better as of late. You know, his shooting numbers, especially over the last 10, 15 games, are up over 30%. Now, if you look at the last 15, I believe he's around 34, 35%, as opposed to, you know, his season average, which is closer to like 29, 30. Um, So, yeah, missing him is tough. You know, Tice is not really a guy that other teams are concerned with making threes, and for good reason, honestly. He's not a terrific shooter, but, you know, serviceable, but not terrific. Um, But, yeah, I think we definitely missed Al Horford tonight. And like you said, it is crazy we had to play him over 40 minutes against the Pistons. Um, But, you know, the Pistons are a growing team. And, you know, like I said earlier, two games in a row they've showed fight against us. Um, You know, we managed to win this one, you know, thanks to your guy, Peyton Pritchard, who you just brought up, uh, was pretty big down the fourth quarter of that game uh, against the Pistons. Yeah, uh, he was really good in that Pistons game as well. Peyton Pritchard just taking advantage of the, the minutes. And I think ever since the trade deadline, he's grown a bit in a role of consistency with his playing time, and he's taken advantage of it. He's seems a lot more comfortable. Uh, I know you told me this before the show that you think that maybe Peyton Pritchard having not the fear of being pulled out of like a mistake or two, you know, like his leash is a lot longer now because you don't have a guy like Dennis Schroeder or uh, Richardson in front of him that he has to fight for minutes from. So he kind of has a little bit more leash to work with, with his mistakes. He makes a player play a little bit more comfortable. He really was playing lights out and shot the ball really well tonight. 17 minutes, like I said, 14 points. Really a big boost off the bench. It's something that the Celtics have been begging for. Uh, a person who seemed to not play like himself tonight in 33 minutes was Grant Williams, man. Um, Grant Williams had four points in 33 minutes. He only attempted one three. I thought he was open on a couple of them, but he seemed to just keep passing up the, the open threes at times. So I don't know exactly what was going on with him. Maybe he was just thrown off by having the starter role in place of Al Horford. But Grant Williams seems to be a lot better and more efficient when he's coming off the bench. Yeah, I think it probably has a little bit to do with, uh, you know, being the starter of this game. Probably has a little bit to do with, you know, the back-to-back after the All-Star break, you know, trying not to step on any toes or anything. But, you know, I agree, Patrick. He was open a few times. I wish he'd shot it instead of swinging it. Like, honestly, there's not a better shooter percentage-wise on the team than Grant, especially not from those corners. So uh, I would like him to put up a few more. But shout-out to Grant, though. He did make some good defensive plays tonight, uh, especially on that one, you know, the alley-oop play uh, where he got up and kind of blocked it. Like, you know, Grant is always going to make good plays on the defensive end. So at least he showed up there. But I do totally agree. Need to take a couple more shots, you know. Uh, Mannix referenced during the game – or, sorry, Chris Forsberg referenced during the game that this uh, 62 minutes 
Grant Williams has played with the core four of Marcus, Jalen, Jason, and Rob. Uh, they have 134 offensive rating and a three-point percentage of 50. So, you know, Grant is definitely a big reason for why those numbers are so high, and I think he needs to keep shooting to, you know, keep those numbers the way they're looking. Yeah, I think this this team here just has, you know, it was just running into a really hot shooting Pacers team, but um, I'm glad that this team is able to keep around when teams are playing more tough because they're really getting prepared for the playoffs at this point. You know, we're coming down to the end stretch here. Celtics are, are very close to the end of the season, and they need to get into the playoff mindset. And I think the way that the physicality has gone with these games, I think it's setting a good tone for what they're going to expect. And I'm hoping that this is something that helps them grow and even be better when those playoffs start for them. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, as I noted earlier, you know, playoff basketball is a lot more physical than the regular season. So the earlier you get in the mindset and, you know, mental frame of mind in order to, uh, you know, play through adversity, play through no calls, things like that, you know, probably can't have a shove like we had tonight when Jalen Brown pushed Goga Batadze after a hard no call. Um, but I do like the fact that, you know, the Celtics are going to be more prepared for that style of play, tonight, um, you know, going forward. Yeah, Jalen Brown losing his cool was, was a rarity. Like I we said, I said to you before we started the podcast tonight was, I was like, man, I don't think I've really ever seen Jalen Brown really lose his cool, especially – to the point where he's shoving somebody, I was like, wow. Like, and it, I understand his frustration in the play, but I still didn't think it was necessary enough for a shove, but uh, he definitely was fouled on the play. Didn't get a call, was very frustrated that he was mouthed over and let the rest be like, Hey, you know, like you're not calling this. Let me show. I shoved the dude out of frustration and they saw that. So uh, a lot of, a lot of bad officiating tonight on both ends as we, we can both agree on, but you know, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be perfect for, uh, you know, even all games in the future, even in the playoffs. Like, so this team needs to be prepared for calls, not to always. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we also have to remember we were coming off such a high of that win streak um, that, you know, like you said, it's not going to be perfect going forward, not just the referees, but just in general. Like, you know, we were not going to finish the season, you know, 20, 29 and no, you know, there are going to be some bumps in the road here. And, uh, you know, the Pacers, the new Pacers are not a bad team. They were mostly healthy. I mean, honestly, those big men in place of Miles Turner played fantastic tonight. And, uh, you know, Tyrese Brogdon, Duarte, and Buddy Heald really, you know, are pretty, pretty skilled shot-making backcourt. And like we've said a bunch of times on the show so far, you know, you can only do so much against a team that's making shots like the Pacers were tonight. And uh, I don't think we should think too much of it and just, you know, look forward look, you know, to new games. Also, Patrick Shaw, I want to bring up, you know, something of a mild concern, you know, Derek White. I mean, he's a fantastic player. I'm still glad we traded for him. I'm not trying to say anything crazy. Um, he, he's a phenomenal ball handler, passer, defender. He's a pretty good scorer. Uh, but he struggled from three. I mean, Patrick, I asked you earlier. I'll just let everyone hear your answer, Patrick, on a scale of one to ten. How worried are you? you know, right now about Derek White's three-point jump shot. It's a two. And um, you you also probably have the box score in front of you right now, right? I do not, actually. Oh, you don't? Okay. Who do you think had the best plus-minus tonight? <laughs> I'm going to have to say Derek White. <laughs> it's Derek White. <laughs> so if you're worried about Derek White being uh, 
his shooting. Just know that like when he's on the court and he's not shooting well, he's doing a lot of everything else very well. So it's, it's, he's still being a positive, you know, we didn't, we don't have the, the guys that went out, you know, Richardson and Dennis leaving the team when their shots weren't really going down, they weren't a positive on the court, even with Richardson's really good defense. He wasn't really giving much on the other end enough to like make him a positive. So Derek White's able to defend well, play, make well, and still be in good positioning and help the team out in other ways. So when his shot's not dropping, it's still okay. I understand, you know, it doesn't help spacing wise as much, but also at the same time, like he can hit down the open ones. So they still have to respect him. Even if he's not hitting them, he's respected. Like he, he does hit them. So it's not even a worry. Some teams aren't sagging off of them, letting them shoot or anything like that. They much prefer other guys in the team to shoot than Derek White just because, I mean, you let Derek get a couple down and then he's a streaky guy where those things just start dropping for him. So I'm not really worried about Derek White, you know, shooting-wise from deep. It's a streaky thing. You know, Tatum wasn't great from deep tonight either. He shot two of 12, I believe, from deep, 16%. So uh, panic meter at Yeah, and I said earlier, you know, I was probably closer to a three, three and a half maybe. Um, only because, like you said, like I know I understand teams are not going to sag off, you know, during the regular season, but during the playoffs, you know, we saw this, you know, a few years ago against the against the Cavaliers. You know, we could not hit a three pointer to save our life in a game we needed to, um, and you know the Cavs were, you know, not really, you know, closing out to shooters. They were playing more help defense. So, um, just wonder if that can be something, you know, that we we could see in the playoffs, the team sagging off Derek white, if he's, you know, not shooting well, but like you said, very low on the panic meter, I'm, you know, a three out of 10. So nothing too crazy. Three out of 10. I mean, yeah, that's, that's nothing that we're really terrified about. I think he'll come around. Tatum had what 24 points tonight. Brown had 23, eight assists for Jalen Brown. Wanted to point that out. Uh, Pritchard had 14 points as we stated earlier. Something shot 43% from the field, man. You know, they just didn't shoot well from deep. You had a guy like Brissett have his career high, 27 points, and knocked down six threes. Tyrese Halliburton was amazing. Hit some really tough shots, really tough shots, 22 points, nine assists. And then you also got Buddy Hill, 21 points, Brogdon, 20. Pacers shot 52% and, and made a ton of threes tonight. So I think this is just a tip your hat to, you know, the Pacers put it in the bag and, and learn and grow from it. Yeah, not much more to say about the Pacer game. I don't think, Pat, unless you got anything more to add. I really don't have too much to add about that game in particular. I mean, am I really missing anything? Um, not much. I blame Ime. I blame Ime for, for the team, Pacers going off, because uh, he he had a, a little quote stated that we don't have a lot of weaknesses defensively. And then and then the Pacers decided just to shoot. I don't think we we do have – I agree with you, mate. I just think it was the time of that quote to come out right before the game today. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a little – it was a little off. So Yeah. I mean, if you want to just talk about the Pistons – I mean, the Pistons game, you know, uh, the game previous to this, very back-and-forth game, Pat. I mean, like I mentioned, Pistons put up a good fight. You know, people are going to – Act like the Pistons are trash. You know, I, I get that. They're not a great team. Obviously, that shows in their win-loss record. But as of late, they've been playing better. They're a young team. I feel like, you know, they, they their team varies. They have a lot of variance on a night-to-night basis. They can look bad one night, but they can also look really good. And, you know, that, that man, Kay Cunningham, looks like a real uh, real star in the making over there in Detroit. Kay Cunningham is one of the f- most 
fun players to watch in the league. He, the way he plays with so much control and pace, and he's smooth coming off of screens, hitting jumpers, making cre- incredible passes. He's just an overall like stud. He's going to be a great player in this league for a long time. And uh, Detroit's really got something brewing over there uh, for sure. And he also had this game where Tatum also had a tech in this one. Like Tatum's had a tech in back-to-back games. Uh, hopefully he doesn't keep compiling these up because uh, you eventually get suspended for a game if you get too many of them. Yeah, um, I think we probably should have mentioned about the uh, about the Pacer game is that the, is the Celtics had four technical fouls, um, which, you know, I'm not going to say is unlike them, but I think that just comes with the chippiness of it. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Patrick Tatum might need to, you know, ratchet back on the technicals just so he doesn't get suspended for a key game down the stretch, you know, whether it has to do with seeding or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's not a major concern of mine, but yeah, I mean, very back and forth game here. Like we said, the Pistons, you know, played a good game. I think Cade, that was one of the best games I've seen him play, honestly. Um, but you know, down the stretch, the Celtics were able to pull away after, you know, the game hovering within like five points for pretty much the entire, the entire first 30 minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, I really like the Detroit game a lot. And I think the big reasons I liked the Detroit game was just the physicality. I think Detroit plays with is great for the Celtics. I know we talked about the one in the Pacers game, but I thought it was even more intense in this one. You had Marcus smart really going at it with, uh, Isaiah Stewart, big stew, you know, this game was pretty chippy too. Tatum was pretty frustrated. Uh, the funny part is too, is when he ended up getting that, getting that uh, technical, he, he literally looked at the ref. I think uh, what he said, uh, I have the quote right here. Tatum, Tatum got teed up for telling the ref that's a bullshit ass call. So <laughs> Tatum just like, Tatum just out here just, it was, he was called for like an offensive foul. And he was just like, that's, that's not, it was a BS call. Like, what, what are we doing here? You know? Uh, but the Celtics also showed some resiliency in this. They were down 12 to six when uh, Eme decided to call a timeout, and then they end up finished the first quarter of 24 to 14 after that. And Tatum had eight points, five assists after the first quarter, and Smart had four assists, and they had nine assists on 12 buckets. They were passing the ball around, really got back into a flow of things, and the Celtics team got right back on track and stuff like we, we talked about earlier in the year, this was things that we didn't see from the team. They were, once they kind of were off track, it seemed like they were off track for the whole game. So good to see that they are able to get off track, but also get right back on track if, if needed. Fully agree. Much different team than we saw in the beginning of the year. I think that's evident by, you know, like what you just mentioned, you know, the ability to fight through adversity and, you know, a physical game. You know, the Celtics, I remember, Pat, the, you know, the second game of the year against the Raptors, we just got bullied. I mean, it was a, just a shameful loss, really. We lost by 20. The game was never close, physically dominated. You know, I don't think that is even, you know, a possibility of happening to this team right now. Um, you know, it's just a completely different identity than it was back then. And, uh, I just think that the outlook of the rest of the season is relatively positive. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into a little, you know, projection about what you think this team's ceiling is or not, but you know, I don't think it's shifted too much. But I definitely feel better about the Celtics now than I did earlier. You know, I don't think that's too crazy to say for anybody. Uh, right. No, absolutely. The, the Celtics currently are in possession of the sixth seed. We're five games back from Miami for the first seed. You know, we got – 
I think 18 games left now, 19 if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around that ballpark range. And this team really has a a very open direction towards getting into the top four, top three area. Like, you know, they, they got obviously the challenge of Milwaukee in front of them, Cleveland, Philly, Chicago, and Miami. But, you know, this team continues to play the way they've been playing with, with that defensive edge and, and coming out and trying to bully teams, I think it's possible for this team to climb up even more and get out of that play-in area. They really don't want to fall back down to the 7th, 8th, or ninth seed, especially when you got Brooklyn down there. This is not a, a recipe for success if you're trying to really get out of the first round and really get away from those players down there. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see where the Celtics fall. I think I can see them falling to 4th. Fourth. 4th fourth seed is kind of where I have them finishing out the year. And if uh, they somehow make it miraculous and, and get into that top three, top two seed, if they hit second seed, I think Ime should be in consideration for potential coach of the year candidate in his first year. See, but the thing about getting you know a seed as high as the two seed right now is like what you said, Pat. I don't want to play the Nets in the first round, and you know they're down at the bottom of the table. So uh, you know, I just oh, that would be real disappointing, you know, to finish as the two or three seed and then somehow draw the nets as a seven or six seed and get bounced to a player as good as Kevin Durant. And, you know, obviously we know a player as talented as Kyrie Irving and also Ben Simmons, you know, they have the new look team there, but uh, I personally, Patrick, am hoping for either the Cavaliers, the Bulls or the Raptors. So those are the three teams. I know the Raptors, that might be a little bit of an unpopular pick, but if I had to pick between, you know, I think teams that are li- I think that's like a cutoff right there. The teams above us, us and the Raptors, I think that's, you know, the tier of teams I'm truly, you know, focused on. No offense to any teams below, but uh, those are the three teams I would most like to play uh, if I uh, if I could have my choice. Tatum also really would probably disagree with you and don't want the Toronto Raptors. He has made it very clear he does not like playing against them because how versatile they are on defense. Uh, but on top of it, like, so if we did get to that second seed, I feel like we'd be playing so well, like, cool, bring on the Nets at that point. Like, the confidence, if we get up into that top, if we get a top two seed, the amount of how well the Celtics team needs to play to get a top two seed, then I don't care who's in front of them at that point because they're playing insane basketball and they have momentum. When you have momentum, that's when you want to play the tough team. So Fair enough. Cannot argue that. <laughs> nah, hey, at that point, I'll be right there with you, Patrick. Bring me Kevin Durant. No, but seriously, though, I would not like to play the Nets in the first round regardless, though. I don't – I mean, I get what you're <laughs> saying, but, dude, I mean, losing to KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons, that would uh, be like a stake through my chest, honestly, is what that would feel like. Hey, man, you know, try to try to play that team before the chemistry with Ben Simmons really develops. You know, I mean, try to attack them early. Attack them early, man. Get, get to the, them before they get comfortable. What about the Sixers? Where do you where do you stand on the Sixers? I'm I'm probably I'm probably how you feel about the Nets now is how I feel about the Sixers. Like, um, seeing how much better they are with I think with James Harden. I think James Harden really levels up them, and it, it makes me it makes me scared because and we're gonna see how we play against them this next game. But um, uh, let me see how this next game go. But I'm telling you, I'm pretty. I'm not. I was. I told you this before uh, the trade even happened. I said if, if Harden and Embiid ends up happening, it's I'm not gonna like playing against them. And I, I wasn't going to like also the Nets if they got Ben Simmons. So we, we both can agree that these two teams now are 
legitimate threats. And we're a team that's uh, on the verge of contention now because of how we've been playing. Like, we're a verge team. We're not a technically a contender, but we're like a dark horse right now. Um, that yeah, Those are the two teams I don't want to run into, I guess. The Nets and the Sixers, if we can just avoid two teams out the East, those would be the teams. Yeah. Oh, so we'll do some predictions for the, the Hawks game. <laughs> 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 Dude, I was uh, so genuinely something's... excited for a game that wasn't going to happen. Holy shit. You had me convinced. You had me Listen, pretty convinced. Well, you said we got the Sixers coming up, so I kind of rent with it, honestly. <laughs> no, but, uh, but um, so, yeah, I mean, we can do some predictions for the Hawks game. You know, uh, Patrick, do you think over-under Trey Young free throws? Do you think Trey Young has over-under? Eleven and a half free throws. Can we contain him? Under wait, um, I think I think seven. Seven's oh, a number nice, for him. Nice. Maybe there's a little bit of a high line, but uh, I also think under though. Definitely. I mean, I think Smart and Derek White are going to do their darnest to you know keep him off the line and uh, you know make sure that he can't you know get into a rhythm by just making his free throws. All right. Well, so what about a total score over under okay. two fifteen? See, I'm going to go over. Because I think the Hawks have a bad defense. I think the Celtics are going to be able to put up, you know. Hey, last time we played them, man, they had a lot of blocks on us. Listen, I know. I know. They did play well, but I think we'll get our revenge. Um, I think the Celtics will be able to score a little bit better here. I know we did kind of get shut down by them. Weirdly enough, last game, but uh, I think the game goes over. How about you? Um, I'm going to go with under, and I, I think the, the Celtics hold the Hawks to 97 points, under 100. The Celtics hold the Hawks to 97. Yep, and the Celtics end up scoring 109. Wow. I got the Celtics coming out here with a 115-102 to 102 victory, getting me to 217 and going over. So, uh, yeah, that's my prediction for the Hawks game. Looking forward to talking after that game. Um, Patrick, I believe our, our, uh, our code of a uh, hoopball 20 is still in full effect over at manscaped.com. So make sure you go on over to manscaped, you know, put in the, put in the code, make sure you get your 20% off. Um, and you know, get yourself some products and stay clean shaven. Yes. Make sure you guys head over to manscaped.com uh, and please use the hoopball 20 code to get that 20% off. So you guys can take advantage of some amazing products over there. Um, but yeah, again, you know, guys, we'll be here for you guys right after that Tuesday game, hopefully uh, right after the game and do you get some coverage and uh, there ain't much left here for me to do. Oh, go follow us on Spotify, Apple podcasts on Twitter. Um, hoop, uh, ethos Celtics on Twitter. You can follow me at ball and opinions and Lucas at Luca underscore. Yes, sir. Patrick, always a pleasure and looking forward to covering this Hawks game. That is coming. Let's get it.